Hi everyone, welcome to Cultivating Happiness. My name is Emma Duke and I am your host for this podcast. In this podcast series, we'll be looking at happiness. So what it means, misconceptions about how to achieve it, and also some proven ways to increase happiness in your daily life. I've always had a fascination in studying happiness. I've read a lot of books and watched a lot of documentaries on the subject, and I've even taken a couple courses. So I'm really excited to delve into the world of happiness and share some things that I've learned from the experts. So I came across the World Happiness Report a couple of years ago which is basically a yearly publication where countries are rated on a certain number of factors to determine that country's level of happiness when compared to other countries. And according to a recent publication, the 2019 World Happiness Report, people are feeling less happy than ever before. Negative feelings like sadness, worry, and anger have risen 27% from 2010 to 2018. It seems like we're getting sadder every single year. And in today's episode, I want to look at some possible reasons for that. Why is it so hard to be happy in today's society? So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the role of social media, the inability to find time for happiness, as well as COVID-19's impact on our happiness. So let's start off today's conversation by looking at the impact that social media has on our happiness. Now, there seems to be a new study every single day about how the use of social media affects our mood. I actually recently saw an infographic that showed, um, as of 2020, it's estimated that 3.6 billion people use social media, and that number is expected to increase. By 2025, it's estimated that 4.41 billion people will be users of social media. And that's a lot of people. So obviously a lot of people use social media, but it doesn't seem that a lot of people consider how it might affect their happiness. So the Child Mind Institute conducted a couple recent studies where they found that teenagers who spent the most time on Facebook, Instagram, and some other social media platforms had a significantly higher rate from 13 to 66% of depression than those who spent little time on those platforms. Social media is known to cause higher levels of anxiety, low self-esteem, and depressive symptoms. And there are a ton of studies to prove this. Seriously, just Google it. And, I mean, not only are we comparing ourselves to other people's highlight reels without even really consciously realizing it, but the use of social media also often causes us to neglect other things in our lives, like spending time with our family, friends, and even ourselves. Social media has begun to replace face-to-face interaction. And we see this all the time at restaurants, um, public transport, two people sitting across from each other. And instead of talking to one another, they're both on their phones. And another thing is that social media has actually begun to replace face-to-face interaction in the sense that we don't think we need to see people when we're communicating with them virtually. And this is a huge issue because face-to-face interaction and creating those really deep and meaningful connections is vital to our happiness. Uh, So it's clear that social media really isn't that great for our mental health. But um, even if we know this, doing something about it is a whole other issue. So I recently watched the new documentary, I guess it's not so new now, but on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And the creators of Facebook, 
Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, list goes on. They talk about how they've made these social media apps purposefully addictive. The psychology of addiction is actually built into the technology. They know that you're not going to be able to resist checking your phone when you hear the ding notification, for example, like when you get a text or something, because dopamine gets released. Um, Additionally, they know that the feature that you see on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook everywhere where you keep pulling down to refresh is exactly like pulling a lever on a slot machine and the unpredictability of what will come next is addictive. The social media industry really cares about keeping you engaged. And in the documentary, they also point out something that I think is quite interesting, that the only industries that refer to their customers as users are the drug industry and the social media industry. So that's really interesting to think about. And also kind of horrifying to hear because it's coming from the creators of these apps themselves. So after I finished watching this documentary, I talked to a couple other people who had watched it, and everyone I had talked to seemed to be making significant changes to their social media habits. Because the, the documentary really makes you just want to delete all of your social media and live under a rock forever. But the first week that after I watched it, I actually put limits on my phone, and I kept it in a separate room. But my efforts really didn't last that long. It was so easy to pick it up again and become addicted even after I knew how these companies were manipulating me. And in the documentary, even the creators of these apps discuss becoming addicted to them. Even the designers who understand the addiction psychology and who built these platforms are not themselves immune to the addiction. So I think that the answer, at least my answer, is to live without social media in order to see why we don't need it and watch how happier we become. I read a book last year called Digital Minimalism, and the author, his name is Cal Newport, he talked about taking a 30-day break from social media, deleting the apps, and then slowly introducing only the things that truly you feel benefit you back into your life after that 30-day period. So I tried this with one app. I tried it with Snapchat, and I ended up actually living without it for several months. And even now, although I have re-downloaded it since then, I am definitely less addicted to the app than I was before this 30-day break. I think the break really makes you realize how unhappy these apps are making you. And even like having the ability to watch people's stories and compare yourself to how other people look, I don't think we realize how much that shatters self-esteem. I'm comparing my Tuesday night, which consists of me sitting on the couch watching Netflix, I'm in sweatpants and a hoodie, to the people on Snapchat who are out on a Tuesday night getting dinner with their friends and looking like they're having a great time. But what I don't realize is that this person who's out on a Tuesday night having fun with their friends was inside the night before, also binge-watching Netflix, and they were comparing themselves to someone on their feed. We really don't think about this. And to be honest, even if we do, it doesn't really stop us from feeling jealous or self-conscious of our looks or what we're doing with our time. It's only when we really step away from these apps that we can we can really see how much they're affecting our mood and how reliant we are on them and how much time we waste on them. So when I deleted a couple of these social media apps, um, I, I ended up deleting Instagram shortly after that as well. 
after the initial three-day period of desperately wanting to re-download them and feeling like I was missing out on a bunch of things, I honestly had no desire to re-download them. And this was about a year ago, so I have re-downloaded them since then. But now that I've gone through that, I have no problem deleting these apps for a couple of weeks or months at a time because I know how it feels to live without them and I know what a difference it makes. Now, I haven't brought myself to completely delete all of my social media accounts. I think that's a really big jump for anyone and I hope to do it someday, but for now, I think we have to start small by deleting these apps for short periods at a time and then, who knows, maybe one day none of us will re-download them at all. So I challenge you to try deleting an addictive app off your phone and see if it makes you happier. So we're going to talk about time. Time is something we seem to have very little of. And the busier we are, it's almost like the more successful people think we are. Busyness becomes almost a status symbol. Being busy is a lot of the time associated with being successful and the best of the best. But the less busy we are, the more people tend to associate us with being lazy and unproductive and having no ambition or goals. But our lack of time and constant busyness isn't necessarily good. It means that we can neglect setting aside time for activities that make us happy, like exercising or catching up with friends. I think the idea that success results in happiness is one that we all kind of have, but we need to get out of our heads. Just ask a couple celebrities. As a society, we need to put more focus on the things that make us happy, and these can maybe serve as the motivation and fuel to be productive and to work hard. Our goal as a society should be to be happy, not to be successful, because success doesn't always equal happiness. So I think it's really important to make time to practice the things that make us happy in our daily lives so we don't ultimately realize that we're never going to feel successful enough. We're always going to want more. And so we're going to eventually burn ourselves out by working towards this unattainable goal. So We've decided that we need more time for happiness, and this sounds great, but it's not always that easy to implement unless we purposefully schedule this time into our routines. So this means forcing yourself to take a break and setting aside specific time for yourselves and your hobbies. Because if you don't take care of your time affluence and protect your mental health, if you don't have time to be happy, you're going to push the little things aside. It might actually be that creating happiness for ourselves will push us to go further in life. And I think happiness is the greatest success of all. Nobody's arguing that we shouldn't work hard and pursue our goals, but we can't compromise our happiness in our quest to be successful. Because when you really think about it, our desire to be successful is actually just a desire to be happy. And cultivating happiness is the most important thing we can do to guarantee our success. So we should all make sure that we're making time purposefully to be happy. Okay, now we're gonna quickly talk about COVID-19. Census Bureau found that during the pandemic, 50% of Americans reported feeling depressed, which is a huge difference from the 25% of Americans that reported the same feeling before the pandemic. Obviously, a global pandemic raises a lot of issues. There's 
anxiety that we won't keep our jobs. There's anxiety that we'll get sick or a loved one will get sick. There's sadness about missing out on events that we were looking forward to, like weddings or concerts or graduation. And perhaps more, most importantly, being stuck in isolation can cause loneliness and sadness. And it can be really hard to not let these negative emotions take over our lives in such uncertain times because there's so much to be anxious about. But I think one of the silver linings in working from home is that we have more time. And it doesn't always feel this way, but I think we all do. Um, and that's something that we talked about, that we just talked about, not having enough time to be happy. And it's possible that now we have more free time while we're stuck at home. So it might actually be kind of an opportunity for us to pick up our hobbies again and do things that will increase our happiness that we might not normally have time for, like spending 30 minutes trying to make a whipped coffee. <laughs> but the difficulty is that it's harder to be happy when we're isolated. You know, when, when we're not connecting socially with other people, it's harder to be happy because social connection is so important to happiness. So although we have more time to be happy, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can do everything that will make us happy or the things that we rely on for happiness. But thankfully, we're no longer quarantined like we were in the beginning of the pandemic. At least not yet. <laughs> so people are going out more now. There's a lot more opportunities for social connection. Obviously, it's still important to be safe. But maintaining these social connections is necessary, whether you do it virtually or safely in person, because it's how we avoid loneliness, which is arguably the biggest factor to declining mental health during the pandemic. So maybe COVID has allowed you more free time to pick up some things that make you happy, but remember how important maintaining those social connections are. So that's all we have for today. Next time, we're going to talk about misconceptions about happiness, so what we think makes us happier but actually doesn't. And then in our third and final episode, we'll be talking about actual proven methods on how to be happier. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Once again, my name is Emma Duke, and this has been Cultivating Happiness. 